Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff and I'm um, from Twickenham CC. Very pleased to welcome with me tonight Salman Ali from North London. Hi Sam. Good evening Dan. How are you? Okay? I'm very well, thank you. Good man. And um, a special guest, um, someone who's played um, a bit of cricket in the MCCL, but a lot of cricket elsewhere. And we're going to talk to him about that in due course. Middlesex is John Simpson. Hi John. Hi Dan, hi Sal, how are you? We're batting on. We're batting. On. I should also say that in the background we have our tech guy Eugene Berger, um, responsible for, for for producing this wonderful podcast. So Eugene is here, lurking in the background, making sure that all goes um, all goes well. Now, as a, as a start for ten, John. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Two year two year new deal with Middlesex. Yeah, um, two years uh, start of the season. So um, that was great. Um, so obviously, uh, hopefully, we can try and get Middlesex back up to where. Um, you know, we we started in twenty sixteen. It's been sort of a quite a fall from grace, to be honest. But um, you know, hopefully, with uh, new coach with Stuart Law coming in last season, um, you know, and, and then obviously we've got a new captain in Peter Hanskin coming in uh, from Australia, and we can we can hopefully uh, try and win some silverware. Well, every season's a new beginning, that's for sure. We as club cricketers know all about that. Um, I was going to start off, Sal, if it's okay with you, by just sort of going back before you joined Middlesex, because of course you're you're originally from Lancashire, right? Um, and so. So can you just tell us a bit about how you got into the game, where you started and what, how it all began? Yeah, I originally grew up in, uh, in, in Ramsbottom, so um, you know, lived literally a two minute walk away from the cricket ground. Um, my uh, parents um, bought a house there and then uh, obviously um, my dad became captain in 1988, um, so obviously the year that I was born. Um, so kind of everything snowballed from there really, um, spent hours and hours down at, down at the cricket club, um, playing a lot of cricket, um, even, you know, uh, in Ramsbottom as well, they had a football ground, so, at the bottom, so, um, spent quite a bit of time, obviously, playing football as well, so, um, yeah, just got into it through that, and obviously, a lot of my family all played quite a bit of sports, so, um, just kind of became one of those natural, sort of, um, transgressions, really. Yeah, and the family played other sports too, right? If I've got this right, and I read it on the internet, so it's obviously true, because as we all know, everything on the internet is always true, but your, <laughs> your, your grandfather was a pretty decent rugby league player, right? Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, so my great-granddad played for Rochdale Hornets uh, and Great Britain, and then my granddad also played for Swinton Lions in Great Britain. So, yeah, two uh, pretty good uh, rugby league uh, players uh, back in the day, but obviously um, anybody who knows me knows that I've gained none of those genes and uh, clearly not anywhere near the size I need to be to play rugby league. Well, you do need to be a man mountain to play both codes of rugby, don't you? So I, I totally understand why you didn't go down that route. And, and you, um, again, if the internet is anything to be believed, you, you made your debut in Lancashire League cricket, which is not for the faint-hearted. It's pretty serious stuff up there at the, at the ripe old age of 10. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, it was, it was actually my dad's last game, so... Um, David Capel was sub pro. We had Hamish Anthony wow. um, from West Indies. Um, he was the original pro, but um, he got injured, and, and we had David Capel come down. Um, and and then on on that day, um, was, I was there with my cricket gear as I always was, just in case um, there was ever an opportunity to play a game. And um, I'm glad it wasn't just me that did that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's um, I think those days have long gone, aren't yeah, they? Maybe. Um, and so then Stuart Taylor, um, who was um, one of the, one of the main players um, for Haslington at the time. Um, he was uh, he, he went downhill, so it was literally well everybody else is away, so well he's John's good enough to come and um, come and play. So it was literally a sort of get get your whites on you coming out with as you playing. So and I think I ended up batting at number eight or nine, ended up seven not out. But I mean what an experience! Fantastic, um, you know, playing my dad's last game as well. Um, 
So uh, you know, it was uh, it was amazing. Probably about a thousand people on as well, um, which is completely different to um, yeah. what you get in the M- you know in the MCL in the Middlesex League. So um, yeah, it was um, it was a it's quite an experience at sort of a young age. So when did you sort of get noticed by Lancashire in terms of you know like the county cult sort of setup? At what age did they sort of see you as a player they could you know look to work with and join the ranks? Well, I actually um, I, I was in the under eleven, so I would have been ten years old. So joined, I did all the, all the age group stuff up to um, under nineteens with Lancashire. Um, I think it was under fourteens when I was um, playing for England under fifteens that I got recognised some recognition to play in the academy. So and this was as a keeper or as a batsman? Yeah, both, both, both keeper and a batsman. So um, at, at that stage, I was sort of um, thrust into the academy when, um, and then I actually signed my first pro contract uh, at sixteen years old. Um, which was which was fantastic. So straight out of high school, straight into um, professional cricket. Um, you know, so I had three years, three years there at Lancashire, uh, which was which was amazing. Um, you know, there's some pretty fantastic people around. I mean, when I joined the staff, I mean, you had Stuart Law was the overseas along with Carl Hooper. Um, you know, obviously, watching watching those two put on plenty of runs. Old Trafford mm. was uh, a sight to behold. Um, and then uh, obviously Jimmy Anderson was just coming through. Flint off Chapel. What was Carl Hooper like? He looks like the coolest man on the planet. Yeah, he was very relaxed. Yeah, he looks way, it. Very, very relaxed. Um, but I mean, he hit the ball as hard as anybody. I mean, I remember um, he hit a pull shot off Graham Onions um, when he was um, playing against Durham. Obviously, the the square Old Trafford's changed. Uh, yeah. It's been turned around. Um, so he obviously hit a pull shot literally onto the top of the roof of the pavilion at Old Trafford, which anybody who's been to Old Trafford knows mm-hmm. it's a it's a hell of a hit. So. Um, but yeah, he was he was he was very very relaxed. Um, I think the only time he ever wore a thigh pad was when Saj Mahmood hit him on the um, on the inner th- uh, I think on the inner thigh uh, when you know sort of he didn't go back to West uh, back to the West Indies um, in the winter one, uh, and then so obviously um, you know sort of coming into in, indoor training which would have been a little bit cold for him. Um, <laughs> I think Saj just nipped on back and hit him on the. Hit him on the thigh, and I think that well, was the first plates time. Plates of yeah. bruises, yeah, we've all had them. Yeah. We certainly have, and I'll certainly have a few more <laughs> until I finished. No doubt. So, what were what's the next sort of progression after Lancashire from playing there for three years? Where did you go on from there? Yeah, so it's quite an interesting journey. So, um, I, I got released uh, by Lancashire at eighteen. So, um, so I'd, I'd finished my three years stint. Um, Warren Haig retired uh, that year. Um, they signed Luke Sutton. Um, and then obviously I had Gareth Cross in the in the second team, uh, so they they sort of said to me that unfortunately we we're not going to offer you a, a, another contract. So uh, naturally, as a eighteen year old who was still playing in England under nineteen cricket, you sort of you know I was pretty uh, dejected to be honest. Um, so I, I went away to Australia uh, and and played a season in Melbourne for South Caulfield Cricket Club. Um, you know, which which was fantastic. It was a fantastic experience for me to. Get away from the sort of English um, system, county system, um, away from um, the ECB system, and, and and sort of try and work things out for myself, which was, which was you know, which I think I needed to do. Um, I'm sure you're welcome with open arms as well, and they were all very nice and generous yeah, on the absolutely. field. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, you always always get a bit of sledging, don't you, in Australia? But that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, you sort of take it with a pinch of salt because there's nothing clever that's ever came out of an Australian's <laughs> mouth, is there? Let's be honest. Very true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I had a se- had a season there uh, and came back and sort of I was still left in with a little bit of limbo to be honest. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, you know, obviously wanted to carry on playing cricket, but no, the county sort of came in for me. I mean, it offered me trials, but you know, naturally you sort of think, oh well, I'm, I'm, I should probably just get a contract somewhere else. But that didn't didn't happen. So 
uh, ended up going on the MCC Young Cricketers under Clive Radley's stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which was which was which was great. Um, a bit of an eye opener for me. Um, you know, going from a professional setup into almost a bit of a semi-professional setup. So, um, you know, a lot of the guys in there were, you know, sort of had this ambition of being a professional cricketer and I'd already been one. And then going back mm. into it was, it was quite strange. But, you know, I said, I'll give this a year. And if I don't get picked up in a year, then I think that would probably going to be the end of me. And, you know, fortunately I started off really well. And um, Richard Scott, um, mm. former Middlesex coach, sort of said to me, you know, we want you to come for a trial. Um, and ended up getting 70 against Essex and there was a two-year contract um, given to me. So, um, yeah, I mean, without that, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was amazing um, to, to sort of go sort of full circle had it been. Um, so then ended up you know, signing a contract with Middlesex. And, and what are the guys doing ground. who you were um, in that programme with? Do you know any of them now? Did they go into first-class cricket? Did they drift um, away as a rule or...? I think, uh, I mean, Ned Eccleslie was one of them, oh, so right. I actually played with Ned, yeah. Ned quite a bit, obviously at Ealing, yeah. and, and now obviously Leicester, Leicester, Leicester yeah. and then went up to Durham. Uh, Michael Richardson sort of joined uh, probably about a month into it, um, and he ended up going and playing for Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, just when I think Lee Hodgson played a little bit for Surrey. Uh, but I think I think there was just sort of the three of us, maybe four of us, that went ended up going actually playing any county cricket, to be honest. So, um, you know... Uh, well, it's a competitive world, isn't it? It, it, yeah. it sure is. I mean, you've got to have a bit of luck, a bit of right time. You know, I, I think I was fortunate as, you know, joining, joining Middlesex. I mean, it was David Nash and, and Ben Scott. So, you know, I was under no disillusions that it was going to be tough for me to sort of make my way and, and try and get myself past those two. Um, so, um, you know, obviously I was, I was pretty uh, fortunate to, to be given a contract and, and then sort of that's when I knew the hard work had to begin if I wanted to make a, you know, a success of of the opportunity that I'd be given. And where did the county league fit in there? Because you played a bit of cricket for Bromsbury, right? Yeah, I did. So I, I joined Middlesex in 2008, um, but I was sort of still going up. So I, I, I moved from Haslingdon uh, at 16. So I went over to Ormskirk, so 2006. Um, so I finished the last year at Haslingdon. So I played the 2007-2008 seasons over at Ormskirk. So um, I, what I was doing is I was even though I was still playing at Middlesex, I was still going back home to play for Ormskirk. It's quite uh, schlep, isn't it? Now? Yeah, it was. It, towards the end of the season, I'll be honest with you, I was sort of dragging my heels a little bit. But um, you know, they they were a fantastic club. I mean, they're very very strong in mm. the um, you know in the ECB league, in the, especially in the Liverpool comp, and they do always do well in the um, the ECB knockouts, yeah. which you know which is fantastic to see. Uh, but they they they're, they're very lucky. They've got a, a real good group of people, and, and they've got some obviously quality cricketers. So. Um, I played with them that 2008 season and then 2009 I actually went and sat down with John Fosbury um, who was former captain yeah the late John Fosbury yeah the late yeah. John Fosbury who sadly passed away so um, you know sat down with Fos and he sort of said listen when you come and play at Bronsbury um, and I was like well I'm only living in Golders Green at the time so it was, it was just down the road so um, yeah so I had a, a couple of seasons in the, the Middlesex Creek League well I still still am mm. currently available for Bronsbury as as and as and when. Sure, we'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, Overs is always on my case. I was just like, uh, imagine Overs dancing as he's yeah. listening to this. Actually, well, he's, he's on your doorstep, isn't he? Yeah, well, well, pretty, pretty, well, pretty much. I mean, he knows where I live now. So, yeah, you know, it's quite a worrying thing. Oh really, sort of, uh, <laughs> So if I know he's uh, sort of lurking around, I make sure the door's well and truly locked. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what was your impressions of the MTCL when you started playing for Bronsby initially? Uh, I think, I think that the toughest thing for me, um, coming from the Lancashire League, was, you know, sort of you go from playing, 
in front of a thousand people. I mean, I, I you know I played a Worsley Cup final against Lawhouse, and there was eight thousand people. I think that was the record crowd. Um, and so a, pair, a few of them were paid to get in as well, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. paid two pound fifty, three pounds to, to <laughs> get in, and, and then maybe a couple of quid to uh, park the cars, which is which is you know which which is great, and I think you know that still goes on now. Um, but I mean, the, the caliber of professionals that you, you'd have had in the Lancashire League, um, you know, I mean, I, I was I was fortunate. I'd have played against Michael Clark, Chris Kearns, Murray Carty, um, who was living two doors up for me. Who then ended up going on playing for Lancashire and then moving to Middlesex, and then, you know, it was quite nice that you know, I ended up coming down to Middlesex and and, and Murray Carty was was already here. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of sort of grew up in a in the era where there was a lot of people watching cricket. Um, you know, and then to come to Bronsbury and literally probably ten people watching. Um, yeah. you know, it was quite a stark contrast, really. Uh, but I mean, come to Twickenham. We have, we have lots of dogs <laughs> watching. We have all sorts of weird, wonderful stuff on Twickenham Green. Yeah, yeah. Past the fire. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, you sort of we're here at Hampstead tonight, and um, you know, you sort of see you know, the tennis courts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they become more social clubs as opposed to um, back at home, it, the the cricket specific clubs. Um, you know, like I said at the start, Ramsbottom where I, where I I sort of grew up and, and started. Um, you know, in the winter they get by because they have the football. Um, so uh, Ramsbottom United play in one, I think you know Division Two of the Unibond League or mm-hmm. something like that. So you know they'll probably get five six hundred people in the bar before the start and after the game, mm-hmm. which you know which is how they can. Well, this is community for you, isn't it? Which, which yeah. is which is fantastic, and and that's how they afford to you know pay the packages that they do. Um, you know, whereas we we have noticed down here in you know in the Middlesex leagues, where you know you're ever reliant on the tennis club and the squash club, actually um, you know putting some money towards um, whether that be facilities or um, even Sport England putting some you know some, um, money towards facilities and stuff like that. It's it's quite a stark difference, I think. I think that's right. Absolutely. Um, and, and that sort of makes me think a little bit about the role of Middlesex players, because um, we, we sort of get it that Middlesex um, is, is, is what you do. Middlesex is, is what pays the wages. Um, and so we're, we're not, at Twickenham at least, massively surprised when, when we don't see Middlesex players play that frequently in, in the county league. I mean, do, do, what is the view of a county cricketer of the leagues? I mean, do you see them as a useful stepping stone to, to hone your skills? Or, or is that what you do when you, you've sort of got no other choice because you're out of nick or because there's some other reason for you to want that game? Well, do you ever, how, do you, how do you look back at the county league? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, Rude. I mean, if you ask James Avery, who, who literally peppers me week after week, oh, you, you know, can you play on a Saturday? And my my usual answer is no. Yeah. Um, I think I think from my Sorry, perspective, is that, is that due to obviously your commitments at Middlesex? Yeah, that's yeah. Gen- generally my yeah. commitments yeah. with Middlesex. Um, but there are workload issues, surely. You may, yeah, you well, that's cricket, that's right? the other thing is I play a lot of cricket, and yeah. and when I've got a bit of time off, you know, yeah. I'd actually quite enjoy to have some time off and some yeah. downtime away from the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I you think, weirdo. yeah, I know it's quite strange, <laughs> isn't it? Funny enough. Um, but, um, no, I think, you know, it's great. I think obviously Gus is a big supporter of, of, of the league. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I should put that on record. He's so, always been very supportive with us. So, which is, which is, which is great, you know? Um, and then obviously Stuart Law has come in. I mean, she's got quite a different sort of idea to us. He prefers us to be playing games as opposed to training. Um, right. he thinks that, you know, as opposed to hitting a hundred balls in the nets or facing the bowlers in the nets going get some runs out and out in the middle uh, you know and take that forward into the next game so um you know that's that's Stuart's perception on it um but I, mean, I think for for me it, it's it's a difficult one because obviously you know I, for me if if I'm out of nick or um you know 
I have a bit of time off generally or you know no games I, I quite like to try to rest or get away and, and try and refresh um, some people quite enjoy going out there and, and having a hit in the middle um, but it, it's a balancing act I think um, you know for the younger guys who are playing in the second team you know they're kind of forced to play um, you know and which, is, which is, I think I think it's right though they, they should be playing yeah. um, but I also think you know there might be opportunities during a season where you know a lot of the first team guys should be having a hit out. Um, and it's surely a bit different for batters than bowlers, right? Because I guess bowlers need to be, I don't know if looked after is the right, the right word, but that bowling is such an unnatural thing to do that things go wrong, don't they? So that, I just thought the last thing your opening bowler would need to do is spend 20, bowl 20 overs on a Saturday at, at, at Twickenham, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, uh, from a bowling perspective, I mean, they bowl. You, you've bowled in first-class cricket. Yeah, you? I have. Well... If you if you can call it bowling, that is. Yeah. I mean, it was some of the all time filth. So, um, yeah, eighteen like, balls, I believe. Eighteen balls of yeah, some some of the all time garbage messy stuff. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, probably bowled one ball. It was actually half decent in eighteen. So that probably says everything about my bowling, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of quite an interesting one, you know. Sort of uh, bowlers, um, yeah, they they'll end up going close to bowling a thousand overs a season. So you know, you can't really expect them to be. Um, trundling in a, yeah. uh, on a Saturday or a Sunday bowling 20 overs um, especially when ultimately the priority is Middlesex um, you know as a batter it's, it's a bit different um, you know if, you, if you're out of Nick I mean as I said it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a personal choice whether you you know you, you go and play for in the Middlesex League on a Saturday yeah. or you know you want to have a bit of time off and, and, and want to train um, you know it's well time off is important isn't it we've learned that over the last 15 years with sports coaching and all, all the rest of it you, you can't just keep going on and on and on and on because bits fall off don't they they do they do especially you get older as I'm sort of starting to get feel it a little bit now it only um, gets worse mate yeah. well uh, I've got <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've got it all the coming mean, we did a strongman session this morning and I'm still in pieces from that That's so right. um, but yeah it's like I said it, it's a balancing act I think you know, there is times in the season where I think um, we should be playing mm. club career. I think, you know, that, that's only going to benefit um, the guys playing in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, there's, I, I, you know, growing up, there was nothing better than yeah. going and playing against, you know, Chris Kearns or a Michael Clark. You know, for, for the guys playing in the Middlesex League, they should be, you know, they should look, be wanting to play against, you know, yeah. guys got, you know, a lot of the Middlesex uh, and I remember facing some of these guys, Richardson, you know, with the, the windmill yeah. action. He, he played for Shepherds Bush against us on the green. Yeah. And I just, um, we were all out for 58, so I don't know why I liked it. But um, it was just great to have him there. And he didn't take all the wickets. But just, he bowled five or six overs, and it was great to be playing a game with somebody who was on the England Lions tour. Absolutely. So it's I mean, it's such a great challenge, isn't it? It's, you know, it's a challenge. You can go out and score runs against somebody like, like Richo, um, who, who was a, a, a great fantastic yeah. English yeah. seamer. Um, you know, it just shows. You know, you can sort of go away from on a, on a Saturday and be like, "Geez, yeah, that's a, that's been a, a heck of a weekend for me." Yeah. Um, but like I said, it, it's you know, you want to be playing against the Middlesex guys, but you know, some, some you, I mean, I don't want to be critical, but are the wickets good enough? No, that's a fair question. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to come on a, on a, on a Saturday, you want to be playing on a good wicket. You don't really want to be playing on a minefield where once you know, I'm saying this. Overs, are you listening? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah Bronsbury's not great, is it? By all accounts. Um, well, it's been redone to be fair. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's been, time, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's been redone again. So yeah. fingers crossed, there'll be a feather bed. I might be turning out for them. Um, Let's wait and see. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll cross <laughs> that bridge when it comes to it. But I mean, the last thing you want to be doing is trying to come back and get some form um, on a Saturday yeah. and playing on a bit of a minefield I mean as I said you know me growing up I'd have grown up on playing on minefields wouldn't I you know whereas 
you literally be waterlogged, get the top water off, put some lines on it and away you go. Away you go. Mm. You know, one ball will be flying past your nose, another one will be rolling. But that's you know that's well. In terms of your life, though, you need different in. things, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's um, you know makes such a great challenge, doesn't it? And you know those low scoring games always turn into being nail biters. So you spoke about obviously today you you've been in training. Uh, uh, Lords, I take it, is it what Finchley go to for you? Uh, we were at Finchley, uh, Finchley this morning. So we were flicking, yeah, yeah. We were flicking our time between sort of Lords, Finchley, and Radlett. So, um, yeah, so that's 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 pretty much our winter. So it's pretty Christmas. horrific. A strongman session. What exactly is a strongman session? Uh, well, this morning what we did, we did some stability at the start, some stability in core, and then we did some some sprinting. Um, it's basically our S and C just trying to show off and yeah. and flex his muscles really. <laughs> um, yeah, well he's got to do something, hasn't he? Or instead of, I mean, you know, we, we take the Mickey out of him or all all S and C's do is put cones out for football. Yeah. I mean, that's all the that's all they're really there for, aren't they really? Or, 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 or um, the test. Or the, yeah, or the yo yo test now. Uh, what it is, yeah, it's slightly changed from, from when you did a sal, I think. <laughs> Probably did you do a bleep test? Uh, well, I did one once. I administered one but I haven't actually done one. <laughs> um, so um, Obviously, if you go back about 15, 20 years ago, a pro cricket was life was cricket during the summer and during the winter, a part-time job. I don't know, maybe me selling Christmas trees or, you know, <laughs> working in finance, whereas now it's a full-time career. So what, what would, you know, yourself be doing during the winter? Obviously, you've mentioned the strength and condition stuff. Some players will go away and play overseas. Is there anything else that happens during that time? Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of an interesting period of time, isn't it? You know, sort of six months of sort of dragging your heels as if, you know, whether you want to go and chase the sun as most of the guys should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of comes to an age now where I've done it quite a bit, but um, for quite a long period of time, you know, trying to chase the sun is actually, you know, what, what do I want to make in my winter? Um, I mean, I'm studying a sports and business degree at the minute, so trying to kick on with that. Um, a few of the guys have been at Savills doing some work experience uh, for a week. Uh, I think Robbie White's done doing eight weeks. Okay. Savills just to um, just experience something yeah. different um, but a lot, a lot of the time um, it's just winter you know a lot of winter training so for us it will be a lot of um, fitness and um, weights uh, based before Christmas and then you know in the new year we'll get into some sort of cricket based stuff alongside our strength and conditioning stuff so um, you know there's different different options I mean there's no sort of um, you know obviously if you're around that's the set plan. It's sort of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday. Um, but if you want to go and do some work experience, um, you know, those options are open. If you want to do some work even in the winter, those options are open. Um, you know, other than that, I think Gus is trying to sort of do a bit of social activities with us. So um, I was actually at a Ruth Strauss um, Foundation lunch uh, yesterday at Radlett, so we had, you know, which, which was a great day, um, great afternoon. Um, so Gus sort of organised that along with, with Andrew. Um, so we did that, and then I think, um, you know, what else we got? I think we're going watching Wheelstone on Saturday, ne- uh, play. Um, so yeah, it's just trying great. to. Yeah, yeah it's just trying to. Uh, they're doing quite well, is actually Wheelstone, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I think they're doing National quite League well. South. Are they from top of the minute? They might be top. I yeah. think they might yeah. be top yeah. of the minute. Um, so yeah, I think it's just trying to, even though we're back in training and, and, and there's a lot of other options to be doing, um, it's just trying to keep the winter quite um, entertaining. I mean, you know, Gus. I think Gus is also hiring some bikes for us, so I think we're going to do like a a, a ten lap of um, of Regent's Park, ten laps of Regent's Park. Which um, you know, last year, anybody who knows me, I'm not particularly over enamoured with bikes. Um, you know, we went on a trip to Desert Springs, and 
um, we had to sort of, we were cycling, we had to cycle up the mountains and went down to the ocean and then we were sort of cycling back and we had to cycle back through this like sort of clay field and you know obviously as you're sort of cycling all the clay's getting stuck in the chain and the wheels so I got halfway through it and I fell off so obviously you can imagine I'm sort of out front and there's probably 10 or 15 of them at the back all just laughing so I, so I got off the bike and I just left it I just left it in the middle of the field and it wasn't until Gus said Simpson get back here and get on your bike so I got on back went back picked my bike up and then uh, sort of managed to get it out of the clay and I threw it I'd literally lost lost my rag so um, so it's kind of a, a standing joke as soon as the bike's mentioned I'm sort of always at the back I've got no, no interest in doing anything like that I can, a great picture in my mind's eye that incident I really have um I was going to ask you about something else, actually, John. Um, in my day job, I work at university, and one of the things I look at quite a lot is, um, is corruption. I do, do quite a bit of research in that area. And I guess that you've probably been on corruption training, right? Is, is that something you have to do every year? Um, what does it entail? Is, is it, does it make any difference? Um, and I ask really because you know, quite recently, Shaqib al-Hassan, the, the, the Bangladeshi all-rounder, got himself in quite a lot of trouble for not following protocols. Um, and I guess you, you've been through all that, right? Well, what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no being around the bush of it. He's, he's you know, Shaki Bellasan was dumb, isn't it? Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make I'll any sense. I mean, you know, for for somebody who's a world-class cricketer, I mean, he was probably the number one all-round in the world for the last five or six years, mm. um, you know, to not report. Um, Particularly as he had reported 10 years ago. He was approached against Ireland, exactly the same, and he reported, and he reported it as I a mean, young cricketer. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a dumb mistake. Makes no sense. Um, so yeah. what is the training? What, what do you have? It's once a year, right? Or? Yeah, every, every year we get um, one of the ECB, uh, ECB anti-corruption um, guys come in mm. um, and, and just basically go through all the protocols with us, uh, what we need to do uh, if, you know, if we're approached, whether it be a phone call, text message, email. Um, and then, um, you know, I think it's, it's more for televised games generally. Right. Um, it'd be more for the televised games. So obviously when Sky's around, um, there's always an anti-corruption officer uh, you know, because they're they're the ones that they sort of uh, try and target. Um, so that's the um, that's the, that's the big one. Um, so yeah, so you know, obviously the the protocols are, um, you know, if we do get approached, then we've got to um, inform the ICC and ECB anti corruption team. Um, so in that sense, it's not really rocket science. Anything that feels a bit fishy, you just anything, go straight yeah, to it. Yeah, it's literally it's literally right to the extent is anything that's slightly or remotely dodgy, we literally have to, literally have to report it. And, you know, I was sort of saying like last season, I um I got a, approached. Um, I just got um a, a text message from a guy, asking whether I'd be interested in playing in the Afghanistan league. Um, and he actually no. approached David Milan as well. Um, and asked him to sort of fix matches. Um, wow. It sort of it, it was more more down that the um the owners like to have a bet on the on the games and would you be interested. I mean, as in playing or as well, in getting as involved in, in other ways, get, yeah. well, getting, you get, getting involved. I mean, you know, it's 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 things like that. I mean, yeah. that's that's the they're the they're the, they're the big things that they'll sort of try and do. Or you I know, told you not to text him. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> gave his number. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll remember that for the future. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so in your, in that situation here, what is your sort of response to that? What is do you have a duty care to actually report these sort of incidents? Is yeah, well, straight away I was we were on both on the phone to the ECB and then uh, you know we had to have a two hour sort of anti-corruption inquisition. Sort of inquisition with the um yeah with the icc corruption officers so um you know which is quite interesting it's quite you know anybody who's been through that has sort of knows it's quite intimidating but you know the way that the game is at the minute you can't you can't take any risks and it'd be stupid to to you put your career contemplate on the line, it. You? well yeah. to even contemplate it um you know it's got no it's got no place in the game so 
Um, for us, it's just um, you know, I think we're briefed that uh, I think you know naturally, in you know England, Australia, South Africa are generally yeah. well saying South Africa, but generally England. You know, haven't seen what happened in South Africa with uh, he was at Gulen Bodhi and Alviro Peterson. Yeah, all these South Africans are all yeah. corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but generally, we we're, we're very well briefed. So um, you know, I remember when I was uh, where was I? I was in Sri Lanka for the under nineteen World Cup in two thousand four. Um, you know, before the tournament even started, we were sort of briefed on the anti corruption side of it, and you know, at sort of sixteen, seventeen, we sort of you know, I was sort of sat there going anti-corruption what, what's yeah. this kind of thing and saying like oh you know what they will bet on they'll bet on you know in, in the black market they'll bet on um you know whether you're wearing a, a, a wide brim hat or a baseball cap you know what what make of sunglasses you're wearing um you know that goes down how many times i.e the keeper takes the bells off they literally bet on anything so um you know you have to be very vigilant um, so that's that's the that's the biggest thing but uh, we're we're pretty lucky we're we're yeah. well briefed is it really a market for that kind of betting? Like what hat you would wear? Well, that's what that's what the well, that's just the ICC corruption anti-corruption. Well, it's all unregulated, isn't it? Yeah, it all goes under all, the radar because it's well, illegal. That's in it. The it's, all, it's, all, it's all illegal, so they're literally betting on anything. So, <laughs> and I guess they're pretty brutal if things go wrong. Yeah. That might be one of the the underlying problems that people from that that hood have got to deal with, and they know where you live. Exactly, and 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 that's 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 the that's the big thing is that you know as, as you saw with Mohammed Amir is sort of with yeah, Salman yeah. and Mohammed Asif you know when you when you're young and naive um, and you almost feel like you get bullied into it yeah, um, yeah. and also Mervyn Westfield wasn't it Mervyn Westfield yeah I actually oh, yeah. I actually played cricket with and against Merv a, a hell of a lot um, you know when I when I was young uh, when he was at Essex and then we played England at the 15s and then the 17s together so again you know with Danish Canary wasn't it um, mm. you know again he just made a mistake but yeah. you know he's actually coming he actually he comes round and uh, with the PCA and yeah. and, and runs a um, that, yeah. you know, he sits down and he talks uh, about his story and how he oh, got yeah. sort of um, you know sort of castrated into it and uh, with Danish Canaria and um, so it's actually quite it's, it's quite interesting but uh, you know he's he's made a mistake and ultimately he's paid with his career for it which is you know I think it's not one of those things that gets more interesting the older you get a bit more worldly wise a bit more experience about what what's going on and I I, I can imagine when you're sixteen or seventeen this is all like what. Well, What's going on here? I've got no idea what you're talking about. I just want to, I want to play cricket. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, you sat there as a young kid and you sort of thinking, what's this all about? It's a waste of my no, time. This yeah. is boring stuff. No, no this yeah. won't. This won't happen. You, you're naive, aren't you? Uh, but I guess when you're older, um, you know, you you are a bit more worldly. Um, you know, especially when you've got all these leagues now going on. Yeah. Well, on a brighter note, I was going to ask you about that. So the Northern Superchargers. Yeah. That's beckoning in 2020. Um, looking forward to it. I am. I am. I was pretty surprised I, I got picked up, to be honest. I am, um, you know, sort of... The Ramsbottom posse. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, well, a Lancastrian in Yorkshire, I'm not sure that's going to go yeah. down very well, is it, really? I mean... You better score some runs. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if there's the white rose on the helmet, I might have to paint it red. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually really excited for it. Um, you know, I, I didn't actually watch any of the, um, the auction. I was actually in Camps Bay at the time with... Um, um, David Milan's brother and William Froome from Teddington. So yeah. we were out in Cape Town for David's wedding. Um, so we went down to Camps Bay for a few drinks and sort of suddenly my phone started going off and, mm. um, you know, congratulations and, and, and what have you, which was, you know, it was fantastic. It was, it was unexpected. Um, I think the biggest thing was you sort of, I felt it was a lottery. It was always going to be a lottery of yeah. who got picked up. And it was quite interesting looking at the, you know, the other teams out. A lot of the counties, uh, well, a lot of the, um, franchises picked their own players. Um, yeah. you know, so you look at that. Knots, uh, the Trent Rockets 
picked up five or maybe six of the yeah, yeah. the NOS teams. Um, you know, so it's and, and then obviously at Lords, you've you've only, you know they've got nobody apart from Owen. Mm. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's quite an interesting one. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I think at the end of the day, you know, as players, we're you know, we're guinea pigs. Uh, we're ultimately told what we need to play in, and mm. you just get get your head on and, and try and, and, and go out of there and do it and and try and put on a show. Um, well, we uh, said in the previous pod, Sal and I are a bit grumpy about this in the sense that it's not our world. You know, you can probably imagine we like Test cricket, but will we watch it? Of course, we will because we're cricket fans. So I think everyone's in the same boat. You're going to watch it because it's something new, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the biggest thing, isn't it? I mean, it, it's something new, something exciting. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to, you know, they're trying to appeal to a new audience. Um, you know, anything to get the, grow the game, I think, is uh, positive. Um, you know, I love 2020. I think it's been a fantastic concept and you only have to look at last year, um, how it how it transpired. And, yep. you know, I mean, at Lords, we're, we're, we're very fortunate at Lords where you have 28,000 people watching. That's amazing. Uh, which, which is fantastic. Um, you know, so hopefully the 100 will uh, attract the same amount of crowd. Obviously, Lords might be a little bit larger now with obviously the new stands going up. Yeah. So it might go up to maybe 32, 33,000, which, which, will, which will be amazing. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to be lucky with little things that you can't control, like the weather. You know, if it's 15 degrees and drizzly, then, then people ain't going to come, are they? And it, it might be. We just don't know, do we? we just got our fingers crossed. If the sun shines... Absolutely. Well, I think that's the... I think, you know, if you've hit the nail on the head, Dan, is that, you know, you sort of look out and it's going to be in the middle of the summer. So, you know, it's going to be the height of the summer, so hopefully the weather's going to be fantastic. But yeah. I think one of the great points you made is that, um, you know, I'm a traditionalist as well. Test cricket's always been the pinnacle for me. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like I'm like my era is kind of the last generation of who's growing up watching Test cricket. Yeah. I mean, you look at I was I think I was chatting to you. You were sort of saying about social media. How mm. now you can just look at um, yeah. five minute highlights mm. of a Test match. You know, you all don't, the you don't have to watch England batting. Well, you, you don't have you to watch too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know, you watch all the fours, all the sixes, yeah. uh, and all the wickets in a five minute clip, and that's it. That's you know, long gone are the days where you used to sit. And watch ball after ball for half an hour to an hour, uh, and watch the build up, and you you actually see the tactical side of it, you know, from a bowling from a bowling perspective. How's you know how's he looking to get the batsman out? What's he trying to do, um, you know, to set him up to get him out as a batter? How's he negating, um, you know, what swing, he's trying to do? Swing the scene, yeah. absolutely. Whereas whereas now, how many kids sit in front of the TV for an hour and will watch you know a test match, you know, watch a day's play? Uh, it just doesn't happen, and that's uh, you know I feel like. You know, we've got to preserve Test match cricket. Whether that's playing it less and making it more important and and making it more um, viable um, for kids to come and watch. Uh, but ultimately, you know, he, he's got so many white ball tournaments going on around the world at the minute. Is that and it's always on in the front of the screen. So everybody wants to be, you know, the the next David Warner or you know, I'm just trying to think like the next Chris Gale they just want to hit the ball out of the yeah. park don't they they want, to, they want to play the scoops and the ramp shots and reverse sweeps but well, um, and it's so right about the white ball tournaments when we were talking off air just beforehand about a, a new tournament in Qatar I'd never even heard of this and I spent a bit of time in Qatar so these white ball tournaments I mean Afghanistan yeah, they're, yeah. they're everywhere if you really want to follow them aren't they they are I mean that's the thing now I mean, Afghanistan, Qatar uh, oh, Abu Dhabi oh, Oman yeah. I mean as you said they're literally everywhere the white ball tournaments so you know, and guys are going around the world Making careers, you know, making yeah. well, they're making careers and livings out of it, you know, which you, you don't begrudge at all because, you know, it's fantastic for them and it's fantastic we're growing the game in, in, in different countries as well. I think that's that's a fantastic thing, but, um, you know, it, is that detrimental to test cricket? Probably, um, but like like I said, you know, we when these test matches come around, we've got to make it 
a huge deal than make it you know than make them, uh, make them important yeah. um, I think that's the biggest thing I mean, I still think Test match cricket does have its appeal with its traditionalist like you know me and Dan obviously I mean any Test match at Lords for the first few days generally sold out so I mean hopefully it continues talking about obviously you mentioned Murali Kartik earlier on playing for Middlesex you've obviously shared a room with some fantastic players in, in time at Middlesex you know Chris Rogers Amy Villiers Brendan McCullum what have these guys brought to you know to yourself and your colleagues when they played for you guys what do they offer on and off the pitch as cricketers and there's probably people as well yeah I mean we've been very fortunate with Middlesex you know? that's some great names yeah they some fantastic well. <laughs> names aren't they you know McCullum De Villiers Kartik but, you know it's you know, it's been fantastic. You know, I've been I've been very fortunate to, to be able to play with them, um, but also share a changing room with them. Um, but I think the biggest thing you sort of learn from these guys is that that you know you look at McCullum is is a leader. You know the way he transformed New Zealand cricket from, um, you know being this underdog, always the underdog category to now where where they are, and, and you know it's fantastic to see them competing and actually to World Cup finals. World Cup finals. Yeah. You know, obviously hammered us. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, probably yeah. less said the better. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing that they, these guys bring is you know their leaderships. Uh, you know the, the the leadership skills. You know they're, they're the forefront um, of the team. Um, yeah. well, we we had a, an overseas player at Twickenham from New Zealand. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure he'd have played in the same under nineteen World Cup as you did. A guy called Pete Carey. He probably won't know. But he said about McCullum <laughs> that he's never met anybody who likes fielding as much as McCullum does. He, he would run out, he'd be all over the fielding side of things. And he said, you know, you know players who are good at fielding, people who work really hard at it, but McCullum, he loved it almost as much as his batting. Yeah. And I, I thought that's interesting. It sounds like an infectious character. No? Absolutely. I mean, same with AB. Was he the same? Yeah. Exactly yeah. the same. I mean, we're talking about both of them are athletes, like yeah. serious yeah. athletes. Um, you know, their fielding was, was unbelievable. I mean, obviously, AB broke his finger against Surrey, which wasn't ideal, but, um, you know, when, when those fielding sessions are run, um, to watch them in full flight is, is pretty hard, spectacular. Yeah. Um, you know, they work just as hard as on their fielding as they do on their batting. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting playing with McCullum where, um, you know, he, he wouldn't, he very rarely would hit balls. Uh, really? Nets. You know, he might have a few throws and that was him. AB, he would net. Uh, but before a game, we just have a few throws. Um, but a lot of it, a lot of the time, was coming around helping other guys with their games. I think that's the biggest thing that you see from these guys is actually they're always willing to help. You know, they stand and watch and sort of. Have you thought about this? Or you know, you know, I've just noticed this. Or um, you know, I remember spending half an hour with, with AB and, and just sort of saying, I've noticed this about your game, and um, you know, I think you can do X, Y, and Z, and, and just talk me through how you know how he looks to approach his you know the what start of his boots when he, I mean, when, when it looks huge. like he's got faith in your batting. The guy is I mean, yeah. I mean, you kind of bit awestruck when you sort of down the other end, and um, watching him hit them to all parts, <laughs> all the parts of the ground. I mean, that that Richmond game was a classic one. Um, he was eight. I mean, he was eighty-eight not out, and what was it? The last ball of the nineteenth over. Uh, I think I got a single. I mean, I got a sing. I ended up getting a single, and uh, the whole crowd started booing, <laughs> which wasn't ideal. I ended up hitting twenty off a last over. And Sounds like uh, you, Dan, doesn't it recently? <laughs> um, yeah, sort of. The, the single does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ended up hitting twenty off a last over, and uh, obviously everybody come to see De Villiers, and obviously I and they got Simpson. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they, they got Simpson. Well, I won't explain what a few of the people on the social media said, but it was it was quite interesting. I'll probably tell you off there. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, 
you know, ended up what, uh, 20 off the last over. and was a uh, decent effort. Which I thought was pretty good, yeah. to be honest. I mean, if, if, if AB could have done any better, I'd, I'd have liked to have seen it. But it all came come to watch him and 88 not out. or yeah, wanted yeah. to see AB get 100 at Richmond. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you got John Simpson. Smashing 20. Like, exactly. yeah. yeah, they weren't over-enamoured. Sort of, I think they'd all sort of walked out by the, by the end of the you game. You can't win, John, can you? You just can't win. <laughs> you certainly can't. I mean, I saw AB play the Essex game at Lords this year in the T20 game, and it's not obviously what he offers on the field as well in terms of ability and, and talent, what he's got. After the game, he spent so much time taking pictures, signing autographs with the young people there. So obviously they, they buy in, don't they, to the whole project that they're involved in, rather than just playing cricket and sort of going home. It's more, you know, we'll hang around, we'll get involved with the crowd, you know, have pictures taken. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, um, you know, the, the, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, the, the three of them, the, the Southlift, you know, even Karting, you know, I was, I was, I was lucky, um, as I said before, Murley was living two doors up for me, so I spent quite a bit of time with him, um, you know, and he's another fantastic character, right? really interesting character. Um, you know, he was a fantastic left arm, best left arm spinner I've ever faced and best right. left arm spinner I've, I've kept to. It, it was amazing to watch him um, go about his business. Um, but I think the biggest thing about all three of them, they, they, you know, they were selfless. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've watched AB and, and, and McCullum and uh, stand outside for an hour signing autographs and taking pictures with the kids. You know, it's not just about them and, you know, and the spectacle. It's about, you know... They get the bigger and, picture, don't they? They, get, they, yeah. they understand the bigger picture, you know, they're si- signing autographs, taking pictures. Um, you know, you almost have to pull them away, yeah. Um, yeah. which, which is, a, is a great thing, but it's, it's also, um, you know, for them, it's... It's, it's become part and parcel of what they do and I think that's you know the great character, characteristics of the, of the pair of them is that you know they're, they're both selfless and um, you know it's, it's, it's fantastic to see and um, you know it was um, yeah it was it was interesting it, it sounds was, fascinating it, it's, it's really, really interesting because you know, it's not very often you get to play, play with these guys uh, yeah. I think that's a, the great thing so when they do come in you know you're sort of trying to pick their brains or you're trying to hang off them a little bit and, and mm. try and pick their brains whether it be on cricket or what they do away from cricket um, you know how they became you know, you know what was it like captain in South Africa or New Zealand yeah. or how he came to you know ask McCullum like how, how he came to sort of changing the style of cricket yeah. um, you know that New Zealand played and I admire their confidence I think that's what it is they've got confidence in their own ability they don't need to tell anyone how good they are no. because everyone who's got any idea sort of realises it without them saying a word and that that, that's a fantastic thing to be able to do. So I guess not everybody's going to be like that, are they? There are some folks who'll tell you every single day how good they are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a no few... No need to name names, no, don't worry. No, I won't name names, don't worry. But, uh, yeah, there's a few people like that. But, um, you know, when, you, when you're that good... And, yeah, and speak to you, yourself, don't you? Just, you know, you just let the performances look after themselves, you mm. know. Perform, perform well for, for your counties and, you know, the rest will look after itself, won't it? Yeah. Um, you know, but like I said, it's um, yeah, they, they were selfless, and I think that's a, a fantastic quality to have. So, John, obviously, you spoke earlier on about your sort of career, how it charted from being on the high, being signed by Lancashire, then there were some obviously some dips in being released and trying to find a new club, and that whole sort of worrying process of you know what's going to happen in my career. So you kind of you know sort of not say being being this and done, but you you know you've incorporated quite a lot in terms of the mental side as well of the game. Um, Obviously, we're hoping some young crickets are listening to the podcast today. Some who could be on the books of you know in a county, or some who just want to become you know at that level. What sort of advice would you give to anyone looking to you know take their game to the next level, or even follow your sort of footsteps? Yeah, I think again, it's, an, it's another great question. I think a lot of people will, will just naturally, for me, will just come out and say, "I oh, just got to keep work hard." But it's fine working hard. 
everybody works hard everybody wants to you know to achieve their dreams but how many people can achieve their dreams without actually having some fun with it i think that's the biggest thing one of the biggest things that i've noticed you know from, from my perspective even 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 i'm guilty of it is that i see as i've sort of considered it more cricket being more of a job the fun's gone out of it and it's almost trying to get yourself to be that young kid again where you're just having fun and, and love doing what you're doing um, because we all work hard. We, you know, yes, there's going to be guys who are who are lazy and what have you, and but that's 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 always going to be um, that's always going to be part of the game. Um, but you, you know, you've got to. Um, so remember to enjoy it. Basically. Yeah, I yeah. think for me, enjoyment. You've got to you've got to find the enjoyment uh, because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to work hard because you're not going to you're not really going to want it. I mean, you know, I've been fortunate. Um, you know, I've 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 been in time. There's been times when I've hated it. I've I've struggled to get out of bed because I didn't want to play. You know, when you when you're going through a bad bad patch and form, days where you don't want to hit any balls, you, know, you just want to have two weeks off and okay, I'll revisit in two weeks. Um, but you can't do. You got to try and find something within, you know, within you know that resilient side. You know where, well, I guess I've been again been lucky and, and resilient enough. Uh, you know, with having certain setbacks, young, uh, you know, as a, as a youngster, where I thought everything's just fallen in place here, and then suddenly, bang, you didn't. You're out of contract. No, you got no contract. Um, you know, or, or going into the, the final season uh, of you know the final year of your contract, trying to find you know you've got to try and find the enjoyment, the fun factor, because I think that's that yeah. for me is what helps you play your best. What helps me play my best cricket, and I think you know if you don't enjoy going out there with a you know group of mates and playing some good cricket, then you're never gonna. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're that, never and that's all factors down, Sal. I mean, the cricket that we played, obviously at much lower level, but the best cricket I can remember is always the stuff I've enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, I feel also nowadays. You know, I'm, I've seen it in football quite a bit where you've obviously got the parents who are chasing Drew Warden and Childers and it's yeah. hammering home, you've got to train, you've got to train, you've got to train and the fun factor does go. So And that's the biggest point. thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's so many kids you sort of see who um, end up sort of being forced into playing. Yeah. And, you know, they love doing it and then, the, you know, the parents take over and trying to, um, you know, for, sort of force their uh, opinions and, and force their mm-hmm. dreams upon them. But actually, you know, it's not about the parents, it's about the kids. And if the kid's not enjoying it and being forced to do something he doesn't want to do, yeah. ultimately, you're never going to get the best out of it, mate. Um, you know, but for, as I said, it's trying to find that enjoyment factor, isn't it? And find that enjoyment factor and love for what you do. Um, I think that's an, it's quite an interesting leading into sort of the next thing is that post cricket for me, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I don't, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to do. But I, you know, and it's going to be tough to try and recreate that you know passion and love I have for cricket um, but you know as a, as a youngster coming coming through it, just enjoy the game enjoy appreciate what, you, what you're doing because it, it, it's a craft isn't it you know craft being able to, you know going out there and being able to make a 50 or a 100 just shows you, you people pay to watch you people pay to watch it absolutely yeah. I mean it's a, it's a craft you know being able to bowl six balls in the, on, on the on, in the same area you know. yeah. do, you, do you do any work with the academy in terms of like talking about you know both sides of your game, obviously, the mental, physical part of it. Is that something you're involved in as well, middle sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate, um, you know, every now and then, I mean, Josh Nappett is the sort of uh, middle sex, sort of, uh, well, sort of the academy keeping coach, and, and Nick Pothis, who came on this year, is assistant coaches, um, you know, sort of assistant coach and keeping coach slash fielding coach uh, for middle sex. So, um, you know, those guys are the sort of go to, but yeah, I mean, Anytime I'm in and around and the academy guys are in, I, I always try and get involved because I think it's good to get involved with, with some of the younger academy mm. guys because 
in two years' time, they might be the ones who who end up signing their first contract. And if you, if there's like no Coleman, obviously, yeah, yeah, so like Luke Coleman and, yeah. and you know Joe Cracknell, for example. I think um, I think the, the the biggest thing is I mean I remember growing up and as a junior going into a changing room, whether it be at Lancashire or at Middlesex, you got all these big characters, don't you? And you're sort of going in there as a young player. You don't, you know, it's quite daunting. Yeah, sure. No, you know, nobody wants nobody to speak to you. All right, mate. You know, that's that's much about as much as you get. Or all right, Simo, that's a, that that is literally all you sort of get. But to actually spend and invest some time into some of the younger guys, you know, when they do come into the changing room, they don't feel as um, uncomfortable with actually saying, "All right, Simo, how are you? You know, thanks. You know, what have you been up to? Actually, have been able to actually have a, a full blown conversation. Um, but actually, by spending some time with them and actually you know um, helping them out, whether you know, some sometimes it doesn't even need to be cricket related. Yeah. It could be just a conversation asking, you know, how's university going? What are you studying? Um, you know, how, how, yeah. yeah. How, you know, how, how are you combining your cricket and study? Are you yeah. struggling with that? Um, yeah. And then you can sort of build a, a rapport relationship with the, the younger guys um, that are coming through. Um, but I try and, I try and, I do try and spend a bit of time with, um, you know, some of the younger guys, whether it's the younger keepers or, you know, some of the academy batters. Um, and just be around um, because I think it's important for uh, that senior players are around. Um, you know, to to help these guys, uh, especially as they sort of start to progress. Brilliant, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Simo, we normally end with um ten quick fire questions. Sounds good. Let's so, go for it. So what whatever comes, yeah, whatever comes into your head first is the right answer. Yeah. Okay. Um. So do you want to do you want to start? Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first. <laughs> so obviously it's a it's the answer that comes into your head quickly. So is it championship or overall one day cup cricket you prefer? Championship. Okay. That's what I knew what you were going to say. Now, right, second one. Um, this question's not at all loaded and I'm not at all biased, <laughs> but I'll, I'll see where we, where we go with it. Rugby league, or that other really weird game where they boot it in the crowd and start clapping for no reason and no one understands the rules? Well, I mean, there's only one answer there, isn't it? It's rugby league. It's rugby league. Fantastic. That's all I wanted to hear. Over to you, Sam. Okay, uh, obviously I think this one's going to be again more down to experience. So, is it T20 Blast or are you looking forward to the 100? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to the 100. Mm. So a bit of a curveball, but I'm actually looking forward to the hundred now. Living in the north or living in the south? I probably still. I'm. I'm still a northerner at heart. Okay. Are you? Would you say you're a coffee or a beer person? Uh, definitely beer because I don't like coffee. Okay. Okay. Um, Gilchrist or Donny? Uh, Gilchrist. He was one of my heroes growing up. So. Is that because of his batting or his keeping or both? Uh, both really. Uh, I mean, he was far away, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. he's basically transformed. Batsman, wicketkeepers. So. Absolutely, yeah. And of course, played in the County League for Richmond. Oh, yeah, those years well, ago. played at Middlesex as well in the 2020s. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I actually got to spend a bit of time with him. Wow, fantastic. So, so the next few questions are sort of based on do a bit of stalking on your social media and, <laughs> and YouTube videos, etc. Um, I gathered. But you two haven't done that. But you just done. No, that. we actually done it together. Yeah. No, sounds a pretty good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it down people. to a T. Yeah, I often get emails from my club saying, "Can you find about this cricket he's played previously?" And what's <laughs> yeah, so um. So, this is based on the fact you're a big Oasis fan from what I sort of heard. Liam or Noel Gallagher? I prefer Liam. Okay. Okay. Um, so, we go for a round with Tiger Woods or a tennis match with Roger Federer? Oh, I'd probably say Tiger Woods. Okay. okay. As much as I love Roger Federer, yeah. Tiger Woods is the ultimate. In that comeback... Oh, you know, I, phenomenal. The I would never ever have seen that happening, to be fair. I mean, I can, I can literally not watch golf again because of that. Yeah. Okay, um, this is based on football now, so who's your, who's your hero? Alan Shearer or Peter Beardsley? Alan Shearer. Okay. 
I was going to put um, especially as a big striker like myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> banging in the goals. Yeah. So we're on to more important matters still. Food at Lords, lunch or tea? Lunch, without doubt. Talk, tea, talk me through the lunch. You know what would you tea's get? Poor at Lords. Give us the invite, John, so we can sample it one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what do you have for lunch then normally? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, it, it kind of varies from stir fry, steak, lamb cutlets. I mean, that's, that's pretty Let's good. Um, I mean, what's, we what's uh, desserts. Desserts, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I mean, if this goes out, the MCC will crucify me, but it's fine. But desserts have gone down downhill since <laughs> well, since Alan and Linda left. I mean, you used to have like chocolate lumpy bumpy. Uh, you know, as many many old wow. Middlesex guys, if they listen, they have chocolate lumpy bumpy. What else is that? Like big like chocolate fudge cake and traditional uh, like, ones, a bit custard yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean you had proper like apple pie, and mm. now it's sort of this sort of gastro sort of like cheesecake and oh, no. you know where and then I'm really pleased to hear that. Though, so. Yeah, that these boys have proper lunches. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah we still have proper lunches. You know, steak and chips can't go wrong. And last one, now there has been a bit of research. Yeah, into I've, this I've one, done so a bit of research on it because actually this answer could be for two questions actually from what I gathered listened to one of your um, Middlesex profile videos. So I gather Mr. Robson could be nominated as the worst one here as well. But who's the better <laughs> dancer here? Is it Sam Robson or Steve Eskenazi? Jeez, I mean, that is a tough question. Is it? Oh, <laughs> I mean, talking about two blokes with two left feet. So <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably still have to say Sam. Okay. Sam would still be the worst dancer. But I did say, your video did say he's also the worst dancer. So, yeah. okay. okay. I well, did say he's the best and worst. Yeah. Because he's that bad. It's quite funny. <laughs> oh, I get you. It goes full circle. Okay. It goes full circle. That was, yeah. He was, I mean, he's shocking. I mean, <laughs> some of the worst you'll see. But On that note, Sam, Sam Robson's dancing, I think... Um, I think it's all, I think we all need, I think you all need to experience it. Okay. Along with the lunch. Yeah, along with the lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Let's try and get it together. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll have to tee that up. Yeah, yeah that would be superb. <laughs> um, Simo, it's been a fantastic hour. It's been really interesting hearing your thoughts on, on life as we know it. Um, all the best for, for, for the season ahead with, with the new ventures, with, with uh, you know, with the 100. And, and of course, with Middlesex. Fingers crossed the Middlesex can, can bounce back up to the top flight. And um, yeah, thanks very much for, the, for taking the time to come speak to us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.